This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and Tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is sponsored by the good people at Kaiju Live. Stay tuned later in the episode to hear how you can support our friends at Kaiju Live. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael. You, you look a little bit different. Wrong guy. Uh, oh, no, oh. it's not Michael. <laughs> <laughs> yes, listeners, I am joined by a very special guest, a returning guest, Brandon from the Fake Nerds podcast and all the other amazing things that you do. <laughs> Too many things. Always happy to be here. Yeah, yeah, we're glad to have you. And uh, if you're on the podcast, then that can only mean one thing. We're talking about Pacific Rim. <laughs> oh, I watched the wrong movie. Oh no, you watch Clifford instead. <laughs> Oh no, Clifford. <laughs> oh man. But well, for anybody who may have missed the last episode that you were on, do you want to give them a little rundown of who you are just in case they don't know? Sure, yeah. I um so Brandon McClure of the Faker Podcast family of podcasts. What that means is I am the executive producer uh which says means it means nothing. That means nothing. Um, <laughs> I, I and my co-hosts on that channel, uh, many of whom you've had on the show, um, mm -hmm. were we do a bunch of shows. We do Fickner Podcast, which is a general pop culture podcast where we talk about movies, comic books, TV shows, video games, what have you. Um, but we just talked about Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. We're going to talk about Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent um, coming up. Um, I also run a show, we also run a show called Fictron's Watch, which we just which is an uh, episode by episode breakdown of TV shows. So, for example, we just did Moon Knight and nice. Star Trek Picard. Uh, Star Trek Picard just wrapped up. Actually, that episode just went up today. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it was a fine show. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's. Yeah. It's okay. The second season, I was much happier with than the first season. <laughs> Me too. Me too. 100%. I just, I wish the season ended stronger uh, the way it started. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we we have a couple of other shows which are not currently active right now, but if you want to check them out, they're there. That's a Fickner Book Club, Animation Station, Basement Arcade, and Basement Arcade Pause Menu, all of which deal with various things, kind of self-explanatory um yeah we do a lot of stuff yeah yeah and like you said we've had uh we've had you on before we've had your co-host ben uh who was nice enough to be on and talk about different mechs and different uh mm -hmm. especially especially gundam because he loves gundam and uh and he was nice enough to do our little kaiju ramen media stinger at the end so if you listen to 
the episodes of our podcast now at the very end it's there's a, a voice there's optimus prime that comes on and says this you know is the copyright kaiju ramen media llc that's ben <laughs> that's your co-host ben and one that's of the funny just a most amazing things that I've had. Cause I love hearing him do his Optimus prime voice. So I was like, can you do this for us, please? <laughs> <laughs> and we also had, uh, who else do we have on? Ryan. So we haven't Ryan. That's right. Yeah. I was trying to think, cause we did, we haven't had sparks on, but I was trying to remember. Yeah. It's Ryan. That's right. Uh, he was on for the Evangelion, Evangelion, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I get made fun of for pronouncing it wrong. Uh, he was on for that episode so yeah it's there's actually two other things that i wanted to bring up uh because you brought up evangelion um we our 200th episode was a complete breakdown of the entire tv series of evangelion and our 300th episode will be an entire breakdown of the rebuild movie series so all four evangelion movies wow so that is stay tuned for that (laughs) That is a lot of very dour, depressing television media to be taking in. <laughs> yeah, the, the the 200th episode ended up being our longest at five hours, I believe. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So stay tuned for the last one. And then the last thing I want to mention is that uh, I am the editor for KaijuRobinMedia.com yes yes you you take care of our website for us it's very kind of you to do because michael and i tend to forget that we have a website (laughs) until you text us and like hey we're gonna post uh uh, this article on the website and like oh yeah that's right we have a website (laughs) i mean i'm happy to do it i love doing it i've been a little behind lately but i wanted to i I thought this would be a good opportunity to just be like hey guys if you are listening to this and you want to write for kaijuramanmedia.com hit me up um wherever you can find me and i'll and we'll we'll get you started yeah yeah uh all of brandon's uh links to all of his social medias will be in the description so you guys can message him because we are always looking for more people to contribute to the website because not everything uh that can fit into the magazine the kaiju ramen magazine that we do so some articles especially time related things like news articles and stuff Mm -hmm. we can't really fit into our magazine because we publish on a quarterly basis so having the website is a good place for if anybody has stuff that they want to talk about if any english speaking people are in japan and want to write a review of shin (laughs) ultraman (laughs) yes i would love love to include something on the website about that i will get that published so fast <laughs> because who knows when we're going to get it here in the in the states because we still don't know uh, I, I really want to see it and i i don't want to wait too long yeah and that kind of transitions us into the news uh and really that like i said it transitions us into it because the red carpet premiere for shin ultraman happened just the other day as of recording so that's right right. it's it's happening and people are i mean from the few people japanese speaking people on twitter that i follow they seem to really enjoy it so it seems to be a hit i'm so the last trailer got me so jazzed i love the 
the, the I love the how his powers look like this classic sixties powers, but yeah, a little, sh- little shinier. Uh huh. Yeah. That's one of the things that that we talked about when we covered the 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 um we did a breakdown of the trailer on my other podcast, Henshin Men, that uh the fact that they they just modernized the sixties aesthetic. That it has that you know nineteen sixties aesthetic, but it's just uh, modernized and and I love it. And so yeah, it's it's so cool and I'm really, really jazzed to see it. Just (sighs) when are we gonna get it? We'll get it eventually. It's just when when is that going to happen? Will it be next year? Will it be this year? We don't know. Don't know. But as soon as we get it, we'll cover it. But like we said, if anybody wants to send us a, a review of it, if you're over there in Japan and can see it, we will publish it immediately on the website. Like no no joke. I was also I was also really surprised that we we found out when we were getting the new Dragon Ball Super movie before we found out we were getting Shin, when we were getting Shin Ultraman yeah yeah and that's it's it's so weird how anime is because we we'll hear like way in advance when we'll get an anime release over here and and they get not wide releases but you know like they get pretty decent releases over here but then you get something like shin ultraman and it's like well we don't know we don't know when it's going to be here and who's going to be distributing it and what's going to happen with it so not long after this episode comes out uh ultraman uh, mebius i keep wanting to say mebus but it's mebius is going to be released and it can already be pre-ordered now so i know a lot of people who are big into the ultraman stuff have already pre-ordered it but if you haven't pre-ordered it it is coming out on may 24th through mill creek um have you watched any of the ultraman series i have not seen a single ultraman series (laughs) <laughs> not, is it, not i want even the to anime? my friend no my friend so sparks who you haven't had on the show he bought uh-huh. a ton of ultraman blu-rays from mill creek and we've been meaning to go through them but we just haven't this has just been it's been a lot going on in our lives that we just haven't right, had a chance yeah. to do it i really want to get into it right now though because like i'm excited for shit ultraman and i just i it, it seems weird that i'm just not into ultraman <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those things that's just such a such a hallmark of like Japanese media. And if you're into Japanese media at all, Ultraman's such a big influence on, you know, TV shows and, and anime and everything that they do that yeah, it's 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 hard to wrap your head around the fact that yeah, we the United States is just now within the last couple of years really getting exposed to Ultraman. Yeah. And like, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, giant monster media specifically from Japan that I just, you know, just they're, they're like blank spots in my, in my, in my library that I just haven't seen. Like I just mm-hmm. recently saw the Daimajin films. I never saw those. Oh yeah. Prior. Um, the Mothra trilogy from the nineties. I recently just watched that for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there's all these things that like I was so focused on Godzilla as a kid, I didn't I didn't expand, mm-hmm. and now I'm expanding, which I feel a little late to the party, but at least I'm doing it, you know. Don't feel bad because for me it was Godzilla and Gamera for the longest time, and then you know, and Gorgo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also you know watched Gorgo, but then oh, I've Gorgo. only, yeah, 
uh i've only recently watched daimajin uh and i watched it because we were covering on the podcast so and and after watching it i was like why haven't i watched this before now i knew it existed but i just now finally watched it so and i run a giant monster podcast <laughs> i said i said the same thing but i don't run a giant monster podcast so i i feel a little bit more safe yeah. in that yeah you have an excuse i have no excuse <laughs> <laughs> well if you do start with uh watching ultraman of course the original 60s one because that's where uh Ultra, shin ultraman is going to take a lot of its inspiration but mebius right. the one that's coming out is a lot of fun i'm not the biggest ultraman fan uh but mebius kind around the time of mebius uh like in the timeline of when these shows came out that's about the time period i start really enjoying ultraman because i'm not the biggest okay. fan of like the older series the 60s and 70s series but you get into the the 80s and 90s the 90s was when they started back up and those i really enjoy mebius is one of them that i enjoyed uh moving on to the next bit of news speaking of common writer so we have a which we we've already mentioned on this podcast but we have a common writer anime that is coming and we didn't know exactly when it was going to be here in the states and who was going to distribute it now we know so this is common writer Futo Pie, which is an anime continuation of the Common Rider W series or double series, and it is coming to Crunchyroll in the summer of 2022. So this summer, which is not far away at all. Oh. Um, Wait, what's Common Rider W? So Common Rider W is uh, it was early 2000s i wanted well no not even early 2000s but like like it was 2008 or 2009 i think was when it came out uh and it is it's the first series to do where there's two people who turn into the common rider into one common rider and it and he's kind of oh, like okay. divided in half so if you ever see a a, a common rider who's half green half black that's that's common mm -hmm. rider w um it is oh, I see. My... so this this that show was live action yes yeah oh yep and they're doing a an anime continuation of it kind of continuing the story from that and actually it's based on a manga that they did that continued the story oh fascinating that's super cool yeah and, and it's really fun for me especially you know, and people like me because w is one of my favorite common writers I absolutely adore W. And so I am so excited to see this. I'm, a, you know, and I, I like anime, so I'm, you know, good to watch this when it comes out on Crunchyroll. I'm like, I'm definitely signing up for Crunchyroll so I can watch this one. <laughs> the still that you have in the notes, is that, um, is that like uh, still from the show or is that like, um, Yes, uh, like that was released when they did the official announcement. They released a couple of stills from it. So the motorcycle, the character on the motorcycle, uh, the the guy is the main mm -hmm. character. He is the the premise behind W is fun because it's kind of like a 
like a, a Maltese Falcon style Humphrey Bogart uh, investigator who also transforms into a superhero common writer. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was so, looking at it. I was like, I'm, I'm impressed with this animation. Yeah. Yeah. It looks really good. And so I'm hoping that you know, the whole series will look really good. It definitely looks hand-drawn. At least the, the, the main characters are hand-drawn. So we're not going to have the problem with the, that that like me and Michael had with the Ultraman anime, which was it was all done CG and the it was done very weirdly. They had a very weird way of doing it, so the characters looked rough and the animation looked rough. This looks like the animation's going to be excellent. So really yeah, excited for that it. That looks exciting. I might I might need to start getting into Common Rider now. Maybe this show will this anime will uh that will create a demand for people to watch the show where it came from. Yeah. I'm hoping that this will, at least for W like I, if nothing else, at least release W because that's the original show that this is based on. So at least release yeah. that one. And I would be happy because that's my favorite. And I know I'm bouncing around on the show notes um, because I'm I didn't, sorry. I put them in a weird order, <laughs> but Speaking of anime series, we have an announcement of a kaiju anime series that's based on something that I've never heard of, have no idea what this is. We have a few concept pictures of some of the kaiju that's going to be in the series, but it's called KJ File, and it's from director Akira Funada, and it's going to be broadcast on TV Tokyo in July. This is, again, hopefully going to be released through Crunchyroll uh, for the States, because I would love to see this, because these kaiju look kind of interesting. Um, what do you think? Yeah, you said this is based on something? It's based on something. When I was looking up information on it, it said it came from somewhere, but I don't know what that is. Let me, maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking of, because there is also kaiju number eight which is also a oh, that sure. was based on a manga. So maybe maybe I'm getting the two confused. This looks really interesting. I like this I like this uh Skull Greymon-esque kaiju. It it does look like Skull Greymon. It yeah. totally does. Yeah, it's cool. It's yeah, the, I, mean, I, I think know. it's the coolest looking one. Yeah, I mean I don't know anything about the like where it's from. If it's from anywhere but uh if it does come to the States, I'm definitely interested. Yeah. Well, like a uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Chris McDonald, who uh, is part, has the Gargantua cast podcast. He said, yeah, right. we are getting a lot of Kaiju based anime. Even if we're not getting a lot of live action stuff, we are getting a lot of anime and that's really cool. And so we're getting a nice, I mean, Kaiju fans are eating well. <laughs> that is true. It's been a, yeah. it's been an interesting place watching. I've been thinking about this a lot where I think now that our generation is really like like they're really making stuff now, right? Like mm -hmm. so the things that we watched as a kid as kids are really starting to seep into pop culture. You know, you kind of see this with like Doctor, not Doctor Strange, but like everything, everywhere, all at once, and turning red. Right? These are mm -hmm. uh, movies made by millennials for millennials, um, right? And I, 
And I think what we're seeing now is as as we've grown up with kaiju. So like, for example, the Superman Man of Tomorrow animated series, animated movie. Did you see that? No, I haven't seen it yet. It ends with a kaiju battle. Really? Oh, cool. <laughs> right. Right. So like then just then Justice Society World War Two, which is its sequel, ends with a kaiju battle. And then nice. Turning Red has a kaiju battle. And I'm like, where's all these kaiju coming from? And spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, but Moon Knight kind of ends with a kaiju battle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, I'm looking at this, like, going, like, I think what's happened is the people who grew up with kaiju are just putting kaiju in things. Yeah. It's like, hey, we didn't get a lot like like growing up loving Godzilla. You just kind of took whatever you could get because it was so sparse now. And then now we're growing up and creating things. We're like, we're going to put it in everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure for that is what ha- I'm sure that is what ha- what's happening, because like it, it, it is happening too frequently to not be. To, to just not be a, a, a deliberate effort by our generation to kind of mainstream kaiju. Yeah. Uh, Suicide Squad, uh, like just... Suicide man, Squad, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Even even Doctor Strange had some giant monster stuff in it, too. So <laughs> That's, That is true. Yeah. Garga- Gargantos. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just, yeah, you're right. It's like, it's us grow, uh, people like us growing up and being like, we're going to put giant monsters in everything for everyone. <laughs> and I'm here for it. I, I just, it, it's the only thing that makes sense. And it's so great because like, as, as you talked about it, like, you know, we're seeing Kaiju in anime, we're seeing Kaiju in live action, we're seeing Kaiju everywhere, uh, even in, even in non-Kaiju related media. And it's like, just all around kaiju fans are just eating well uh and speaking of kaiju everywhere all the time uh call of duty warzone operation monarch now me and michael talked about this on the podcast and both of us said that we are not gamers and we're not call of duty people so i wanted to ask you are you a gamer slash call of duty player I wouldn't consider myself a gamer and I'm definitely not a Call of Duty player. Okay. Okay. So we're in the same boat. <laughs> yeah. But we did well, talk about this on my show also. Uh-huh. Yeah, it it looks fun for what it is. Like if you're a Call of Duty fan and you're or you're a gamer and you like giant monster stuff, it looks like a ton of fun. Yeah, um up from the depths, the a gentleman who runs that channel mm-hmm. um i forgot his name right now i interviewed him for conversation ages ago yeah um, but he he posted he's he's like shared a, a a clip of someone playing the game and it's just you're just running around the map and godzilla shows up and blows people away with his with his atomic breath and i'm mm-hmm. like that's that's kind of cool yeah just just give me a survival horror game that is uh you know with god godzilla <laughs> <laughs> you're just a, yeah, no, you're a soldier trying to that. survive <laughs> yeah but uh so so the the operation monarch event has started now officially and in the course of the game there's a cave painting that you can find i don't know where like i said not a gamer but some people who have played the game have found this cave painting 
and it features a kaiju monster that we have not seen in any of the legendary movies. Yeah, I remember this picture. Who do you think it is? It looks to me like uh, an Anguirus uh, because it has like spikes on its back. So I'm thinking. Sure, but that tail doesn't look like Anguirus. It doesn't. It doesn't. So, but the but the only thing I can think of is they've redesigned the tail because it does have it, you know it's 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 a long a longer tail than Anguirus has, but it does have spikes on it. And true, you know, so I think they might have just redesigned him a little bit. Uh, but yeah, he, he the, the spikes on the back is the only is the main thing that gets me. And he's on all fours. Yeah, it, it, I was wondering if this could be like an original monster that'll be introduced in this thing. Or my other thing is, is this legendary teasing what could whatever that son of Kong or kong sequel they're working on Mm -hmm. next whatever that movie is next could that be them teasing the the new monster villain for that movie very well could be could be either one of those things it could be you know something that's going to be featured in the game could just be an easter egg that they were like hey here's a here's a design that we never got to use in the movies but we're going to throw it in here because it's you know a fun little easter egg or like you said could be pointing to something to come in the future uh really the main the main thing we can take away from this is we don't know what this means <laughs> yeah but it's cool it's really cool that they did this it, it kind of shows the level of detail that they wanted to incorporate into this game mm-hmm. yeah it really it, it, it like we that is something that we talked about when we cut when we first talked about the trailer for this event that the amount of work that went into just the trailer and you know they brought in bear mccreary to who did the you know king of the monsters score to do the score for that trailer and they brought in the people who mocapped godzilla for the movie to do the mocap for godzilla in the trailer and it's like the amount of detail that they're putting into an effort they're going through it's incredible and so yeah this is just another example of the amount of detail that they put into this whole collaboration i think someone pointed that out really well that the trailer like the major trailer that they put out was like what if gareth Edwards gareth edwards actually got to do godzilla versus kong yes yeah it and and makes me kind of sad that gareth edwards hasn't done and hasn't been able to do more uh, giant monster stuff or or more stuff in the monster verse because i'm like yeah it would have looked cool i do too i i don't know exactly what's going on but it, gareth edwards i feel might have soured on his experiences with studios just you know between his experience with disney slash lucasfilm and then with legendary slash wb and it's just kind of like maybe he's just kind of soured on the whole studio thing but i would really like to see him come back and do some more giant monster stuff and speaking of making more stuff i guess i don't know how to transition this one uh uh the kaiju novel Project Nemesis by Jeremy Robinson is receiving an official TV series adaptation, and this is going to be helmed by John Wick director Chad Stileski. St- Stowski? St- I don't know. How I it. think it's. I think it is Stahelski. 
but I have not Stahelski. heard it pronounced. Okay, okay, Stahelski. Uh, I'm not, John Wick's one of those types of movies that I'm not, it's not in my wheelhouse of like what I like. I'm not a big kind of like just action-y kind of person. Um, I like sci-fi action. I don't really care for just plain action. <laughs> um, sure. So so I can't speak to the quality of director, but I do know that John Wick is very popular among a lot of people. And, uh, and so him doing this kaiju-based series, what do you think about this? I love John Wick. Okay. Um, John John Wick one was he was he was the co-director of John Wick one, and the and um, the guy who directed Deadpool two was his was the other guy, mm-hmm. um, and he so Chad Stahelski kept going with John Wick while the David Leach that's this guy's name while David mm-hmm. Leach kind of went on to do other things like Atomic Blonde and Deadpool two and I think he's doing Bullet Train next. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah. I knew that one. Which bullet train looks great, but Chad yeah. Salski stays firmly in, in John wick. And I really like the second John wick because of it. I think the movie's incredible. Um, I don't know anything about this property though. Yeah, that's, that is the thing. And so I can tell you that project nemesis is extremely popular among diehard giant monster fans. But as to the actual quality of the books themselves, because it is a series of novels, um, I can't tell you because I haven't actually read them myself, but I have heard of them. I know about them. I've just never read them myself. I've heard of them, too. I've heard of them, too, because they are very popular. It's just for me, like, I don't really like reading kaiju books. Like, Mm -hmm. I I prefer if I'm seeing kaiju, I want to see a kaiju. So I go. Right. uh, So I constantly go to, like, comics or movies and TV shows. Um, books is not my preferred way to consume kaiju media mm-hmm. um, but I read a little bit about what the premise of the book was and it sounds crazy uh, and I like and I, I'm happy that everyone's so happy about this so that kind of got me excited to be like well I like the director it's kind of a cool project like this could be this could be really cool yeah yeah it, it, I'm right there with you so I do know that Project Nemesis at least two of the novels uh, have been adapted into comic book form. Uh, one of them was uh, drawn by Matt Frank. He's been talking about it on and sharing uh, screen, um, not screen caps, but just images of some of the pages uh, on his Twitter. So that's what I've seen. So, so if you are interested in comic books and not interested in reading like a novel, if you want to see, just get a taste of what Project Nemesis, you know, looks like and what it's about, there is the comic book version of it. Um, I think I but yeah, that out. yeah, I'm right there with you though. The, the fact that I do know enough about the project, the, the project nemesis kind of world that, uh, Jeremy Robinson built to know that it's, it's intriguing. It's a very interesting original idea for kind of like a, a world where Kaiju exist and then to be directed by someone who seems to be really good at doing action and and uh these these kind of very uh down to earth gritty type of action movies I, i'm interested this this is a very interesting combination and i'm looking forward to seeing it it's really funny that last time i came on um so which was last year around the same uh-huh. time 
You guys mm-hmm. had no news. You're like, there's no right. kaiju news. So we're going to do a game. And now all the kaiju news. <laughs> yeah. So much kaiju news. So much stuff happens. And it also helps that last week, uh, I think Michael and Nathan, they, they did the episode and uh, they played a game. So they, they said, okay, well the news from last week, we can just kind of carry over to this week. So we've got two weeks worth of Kaiju news that we're covering. That's why it's, uh, I see it's built up, but still the fact that we have anything is like amazing. That's all the news, I guess. Yeah. That's all the news. We want to take a moment to thank our sponsors this week. Kaiju live. If you're a collector of fantastic Kaiju merch, make sure to check them out online at kaijulive.shop. They are supporters and sponsors of this podcast. They've been supporters for a while now, but above that, they are fantastic people who know exactly what it's like to be a collector. Check out their store, kaijulive.shop, for lots of Kaiju and Tokusatsu goodness. So we can now move on to the main topic for this week. And like we said, uh, if you're on, there can only be one thing that we're talking about, and that is Pacific Rim. Uh, we usually I like ask... how you say that, but you did not, you did not but... ask me to do Pacific Rim the Black. No, because we had Nathan on uh, for that one, and I didn't want to overcrowd. Uh, I was supposed to be on it. I ended up that ended up being mm-hmm. the week I took off, so we could have had you on. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I just want well, I just want it on record. I just I just want it on record. I really like Pacific Rim the Black. I've not seen the second season, but I really like the first season. Okay. I was gonna ask you, what did what did you think of it? Okay. <laughs> uh normally we ask a trivia question that hints to what our topic is each week, and that we did have a trivia question. And Daisy, come on, come on. You're you're she's typing on my computer now because <laughs> her foot's in the way. Come on, come on. That's thing. cute. Ugh. Ugh. She's going, ah, because <laughs> all the A's <laughs> typing on my on my screen. Um, yes, for the third time now, uh, we usually ask a trivia question and we did ask one last week, but we are recording kind of early this week. So I haven't had a chance to actually gather up all the answers. So that's why we're not giving any shout outs to anybody. But if you did send us an answer to our trivia question uh, between the time of recording and the time that it, this episode comes out, uh, thank you. And we thank you for always uh, contributing and sending us answers. Anybody who does. So uh, that's all I can say because we don't have the trivia answers in front of us. But right. we do have the main topic. So Pacific Rim rising up to the challenge of our rivals. Eye of the Kaiju. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Pacific Rim 2. Uh, the cast and crew list. It was directed by Stephen S. DeKnight. This was his first big movie, or first movie that he directed. He had been doing TV shows and had written a bunch of stuff, but this was his first time doing a movie. Most notably Daredevil. Yes, most, uh, most notably Daredevil. Uh, and it stars John Boyega, Scott Eastwood, Jing Tian, Kylie Spaney, Rinko Kikuchi, Bern Gorman, Adria Arjona, Max Zhang, Charlie Day, and that's pretty much, yeah, that's the whole cast list. And the plot breakdown. So 
we like to do funny plot breakdowns on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And so here's my plot breakdown. Man meets monster brain. Man falls in love with monster brain. Monster brain uses him to hatch a scheme to blow up Mount Fuji. (laughs) I want to know what love is. (laughs) 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 This... This movie, this movie was something. This movie is something. Um, it is definitely something. <laughs> uh, opening thoughts. What are your opening thoughts on Pacific Rim Rising Up, Uprising? It's no Pacific Rim. Nope. <laughs> it's a Pacific Rim. Uh, I think it is a Pacific Rim. It, it, it is, look it's a fine follow-up to the first film. Uh, and, and I think a lot of my hesitation when I first saw it was that it was just a fine follow-up. Like it wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great follow-up. It wasn't a, it wasn't an equal, an equal follow-up. It was just a fine follow-up. And I, I'm not as harsh on it as I was when I first saw it, but I still think all in all, it's, it's fine. You know, it's kind of there. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it too. Like it's, it's fine. It's, it's nothing special. Um, it's not mind blowing. It's not earth shattering, but it is, it's, it's a fun action kaiju versus robot battle and you know, type of movie. And, I mean, it, for just that basic premise, you get what you paid for with it. Like it's 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 got all of that in spades. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good ideas in the movie, but I just don't think Stephen S. Knight was the person to to bring the movie to fruition. He wasn't the filmmaker for this. He was too no. green. Yeah, yeah, and. And I think the problem that a lot of people have with this is they were expecting something like the first Pacific Rim. You know, the per- first Pacific Rim was so yeah. unique just in its style because, of course, Guillermo del Toro is a very unique director. So he has a very unique style. The The world that they built was very unique. There was just something very special about how all of that came together and then you get to this one and and this one feels and i don't mean it in a in a negative way and people can take it that way if they want to but it feels like a marvel movie in the sense that it's fun but it's not like high art cinema i think it's i think two things about that one i think it's a step down from a marvel movie um the other thing I is, guess it depends on the Marvel. I don't movie. think the first, right? I don't think it's the. I also don't think the first one is high art cinema. I just want to clarify that. I, well, yeah, sure that's, that's true too. <laughs> um the the first one, the first one is so has such a style, has such a color palette. It's so mm-hmm. uh, unique in its filmmaking. It's it's grandiose. It is it's exactly the vision of a filmmaker. Hmm. This one is not. This one is not as br- not, not as colorful. This one is not as unique. Um, the 
the designs of the kaiju aren't quite as interesting as the first one. The designs of the mechs aren't as interesting as the first one. Um, mm-hmm. They just kind of are all serviceable. And yeah, Scott Eastwood might be the most bland actor I've ever seen set foot out of Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've not enjoyed his performance in a lot of things. <laughs> Every movie I've seen him in, he is just Blandy McBlanderson. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because that's what's asked of him. And so that's what he gives. Or if that's just him and the, he's reached the limit of what he is capable of doing as an actor. I don't know. I don't know which it is. (laughs) Maybe his dad has more personality in him and he's 90. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, But at the same time, you do have a really good performance from John Boyega. Yeah. He's fun. He's a lot of fun. Actually. He really knows what type of movie he wants this to be. Um, Mm -hmm. He, However, I do push back against him a bit because he has he's on quote saying that the first one is boring. Uh, which I mean, is everyone's why he, entitled which to is why opinion. he did this. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't agree with him, though. Um, right. He, so he wanted to he really pushed for this direction that this franchise would take in this film because he was a main producer on it. And he was like, the first mm. one is boring. We need to make this one exciting. I don't think he succeeded. Um, and I think he took I think that mentality not his fault but that mentality created the product that we have which is an inferior product to the first mm-hmm. yeah it, it's it's they went into this looking to improve instead of just building on what was already established instead of yeah. building on the first they wanted to improve what the first did and it's just like you didn't you should have as a sequel you should have built on it yeah i agree and like you'd have this thing where it's like if you want to improve then you get a director like del toro you get someone like a visionary director who has a distinct unique style that can really Mm -hmm. bring something new to this and and not someone who's just going to be no offense to steven s tonight daredevil's incredible but like not someone who's going to be a yes man to a studio Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally um, agree with I, you. I'm I think sure that's really harsh. I don't mean that to be so harsh. No. I mean, like we said, it's not a terrible film. Um, despite what uh, my co-host from uh, Hinch and Men would say, because uh, Nathan really does not like this movie, <laughs> which is why I'm glad I have you I'm on sure. the podcast instead of him. <laughs> and here's Nathan. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right yeah uh and oh yes i'm gonna get some emails and messages from him when this episode drops about like here's all the reasons why this movie is terrible and and it's it kind of goes into something that me and you were discussing on twitter not too long ago where i find i find at least for me personally that movies are on a spectrum there's not like it's never completely this is the best thing ever, or this is the worst thing ever. Usually movies fall somewhere on the spectrum. And this, that's kind of where I'm at with this one too, of like, it's not the worst thing ever. It's not a horrible movie. It's, it's a, it's a fine movie. And I, I think that if you're into blockbuster, just kind of actiony films, 
you can put this on and enjoy it as much as you know a lot of godzilla films are like that where they're just you know it, like monster fighting monster but there's just no substance to this there's no depth to this there's no style to it like we said that you would that you get from the first film yeah and i don't think the first film is like oozing substance like it's it's no. very much trying to be what it is um, right but it, it is it is for sure not it's it's at the end of the day just not the follow-up i think a lot of people were hoping for right i quote-unquote triggered i quote-unquote triggered a friend of mine by saying like you know it wasn't as bad as i remember um because it you know what it's not it's not as bad as i remembered no, no. um and this guy this guy just goes, it's horrible. It's the worst movie ever. It's like, I don't know, man. I've seen worse movies. I've seen worse movies this year. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I mean, this might trigger a bunch of people listening. I had as much fun watching this movie as I did GVK. <laughs> oh, very interesting. I liked GVK more. I I think I liked it more just because of like, oh, you know, it's Godzilla. So obviously I'm going to like Godzilla more. But as far as like the entertainment value of the movie, I think that they're probably about equal. It's just a fun ride. It feels like just a it feels like you're on a roller coaster that's, t- you know, weaving and moving through all of this fun, exciting things. And, you know, when it's over, it's like, OK, it's over. Yeah, I agree. Um I think the MonsterVerse probably had. I think Legendary had more uh, faith in their directors in the MonsterVerse. They wanted them to really try and push their voice through. They wanted them to be like, you know, each movie in the MonsterVerse, I don't think they're all great, but they all feel like the movie the director set out to make. Mm hmm. Whereas I don't feel that way with this one. I do feel like maybe Stephen S. Tonight had some grand ideas to really like push push the franchise forward but the legendary was like no no we need to make we need this to make money or someone right. was like we need this to make money and he was like yeah okay we'll make this we'll make some money yeah i can see that too so i'm i don't yeah i can agree with that too uh it's funny because it's the same studio <laughs> did both yeah it's really so strange it's like, right like but at the same time i'm also like oh maybe it was steven s tonight maybe he failed because like i go back to jupiter's legacy did you see jupiter's legacy on netflix no no but i heard i heard people people told me about it's it. awful yeah it's awful like i don't know the guy who did daredevil which is a the first season of daredevil specifically which is a great season of television went to do pacific rim uprising and jupiter's legacy and i'm like what happened dude what happened it makes you wonder if daredevil was a fluke Maybe it was more, there was I, more, I wonder. yeah, maybe there was enough other people who involved who carried Daredevil through and it wasn't all Stephen S. Knight because everything that Stephen S. Knight has been kind of in charge of since then has been very lackluster. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, like, I don't think his season of Daredevil is the best season. I think that's the third season. Um, but still, like that first season's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really good. So yeah, I wonder how much of it how much of it can be attributed to him, and how much of it was just the other people involved. Now that we're looking at his full, not full, but just like the other works that he's done. Yeah, um, I don't know. I wonder who wrote this movie. 
it uh steven s tonight helped write it i do know that much um i had i'm looking writers. i'm looking up while you while you okay. say your point Okay. Well, I was going to say, so on the podcast, we like to do our positivity sandwich. So we tend to, well, start with some positives, mix in some negatives, finish on some positives. We've kind of been, you know, we've been doing more of a positively salad uh, than a sandwich uh, because we're kind of mixing (laughs) them all together. Um, This movie had four writers. Yeah. I think that also kind of. Yeah. And I think that might have attributed yeah. to some of the problems. The yeah, the 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 screenplay writer for the for the Maze Runner movies, and oh, the Adam Project—that's a good movie. Good job, dude. Yeah, and I I didn't hate the Maze Runner movies either. I think they were—I mean, you know—for being in a genre that was dying, um, they did all right. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's right. The what, Maze Runner came out way too late it did it did but i think they did they were they were good for what they were it just it was way too late for them um what are some positive things that you have for this movie let's get into some specifics and we're going to spoil we we can be full spoilers well the movie came out in 2018 i hope we could spoil it yeah yeah um i actually have a lot of positives and a lot of them have to do with uh newt and gottlieb because mm-hmm. I think they're great. Um, yeah, I think Newt Newt's plot line, when it's revealed that he's been drifting with the kaiju brain, is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That is a great reveal. The first time I watched it, I was like, "Oh shit!" I did not expect this. Yeah. Um, and then, and the way Charlie Day delivers the turn when Gottlieb when the when the drones are you're struggling a bit with your cat I see yes um, <laughs> she she was she was fixing to fall off the desk when she jumped up and she, I was like <laughs> don't claw me to death please <laughs> <laughs> um the the when the drones are turning into kaiju and Gottlieb is like we need to stop your boss from doing this and Newt's like and it's like well you know Herman I don't know what I don't know why he did it I did it well, see, that's it's. I'm not entirely myself anymore. Mm-hmm. I think it's fantastic delivery. Yeah, um, yeah. The the whole thing with the the kaiju mechs when the drones turn into kaiju, I think those designs rule. I think that concept mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Uh, the one of the things, and we talked about how like there there's four different writers, so maybe the story wasn't the strongest. One of the things that I liked about this is the continued world building of these alien interdimensional conquerors and how one plan failed, so we need another plan, and how they kind of adapt mm-hmm. and change strategy. I like that. I like that there's a, you know, it's like the first plan didn't work. So let's change the plan and be a little bit different. Yeah, I agree. Um, There's, I guess Del Toro had talked about how, if he had done a sequel or if he had done like a trilogy, it would have been revealed that the, that the precursors are um, humans in the distant future wanting to go back in time to, and I was like, that's, you know what? Maybe, Maybe we dodged a bullet there Um, because I kind of I kind of prefer this film very much very much follows a similar plot structure to Independence Day 4 Independence Day 2 Mm -hmm. Um, 
Did you see that movie? Yeah. Yeah. The the I think that movie's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I think that movie's a lot of fun. I think it's stupid and really fun. But the ending of that movie of we're going to go take the fight to the aliens very much reminiscent in this film where John Boyega is like, we're going to take the fight to them. And I'm like, I'm actually kind of into that. If you want to do a sequel, I'm totally into, you know, let's go, let's go intergalactic fighting or whatever. And then like Gurren and hell, let's do Gurren Logan live action. (laughs) Um, And then, and then there's the, um, there's one thing that's kind of a just kind of a negative in this, but like I do appreciate how the world has evolved. Like you see, mm-hmm. there's like kaiju shelters that like drill into the ground now and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, I wish it was dirtier. Mm. I I wish that it wasn't so clean. Yeah, yeah. There was that. I, I guess you can say it. It's kind of the the typical Del Toro grime that was in that first one because he has this he he carries it to almost every movie he does there's this just like a little bit of griminess to to all of his films that you know nothing nothing is pristine nothing's you know shiny and clean and and uh and it's and it's great and he didn't get that yeah it's yeah for del toro's films like and i kind of i kind of understand the mentality like you can say that like Oh, the world just evolved, and and because there's been no struggle, it, it's all clean. It's like, yeah, but that kind of makes it feel like the world just popped, this sprung up overnight. And what the right. what was so fascinating about the first one is that it felt like it was lived in. It felt like it was, it felt like there was a a, yeah. a world that you can walk through. And while there is a lot of practical effects in this movie, especially in the beginning, which I appreciate, um, mm-hmm. it does kind of go into like oh this world just kind of looks too clean into it looks like a world that just kind of sprung up overnight yeah yeah uh i'm still fighting with my cat i don't know what is going on with the cat but she is just (laughs) being crazy Uh, uh, she is being extra i have that effect extra pain (laughs) she's being an extra pain in the butt today yeah I, i that's one of the things that gets me about Pacific Rim when you look at the material outside of the movies is the world is so rich like reading the comic books mm-hmm. and then watching the the anime this is such a rich world with so many so much detail and stuff in it that you just really enjoy all of that but then this movie felt kind of shallow in that they like you said it just kind of felt like well this world exists for this movie and only this movie there's the it didn't really have a history or a future it just is it's too clean it's too pristine yeah and the the only time the only time that we don't feel that way is in the beginning which i think is some of some really strong stuff like some really strong Mm -hmm. world building you know he's like squatting in a mansion that has a kaiju skeleton next to it um, right yeah you know, they go through the kaiju scrapyard like that's all really cool it's just once we get to the once we get to the ppdc that's all gone right yeah and i would have liked yeah. it to kind of carry over yeah yeah totally totally um one of the one negative that i have and this is a big one that i know is going to make nathan again who doesn't like this movie happy to hear me talk about um kind of rewriting 
the plot for the first movie at least the the plot the precursors had because now suddenly they want to get to to mount fuji but like in the first movie they were attacking australia which is the opposite direction to go to to get to mount fuji (laughs) yeah the the thing that I when I first saw it anyone this time where I was just like, oh yeah, let's let's bring up all the kaiju walking patterns and blah blah blah. And like, okay, but at the Pacific Rim, if the if the if the portal is in the Pacific Rim, one of those kaiju decided to turn around, at least. Right. Because they all none of them went to none of them were going to Mount Fuji. None of them had made like a beeline to Mount Fuji. They were all like Mako was found in Hong Kong. Right. Where the hell did that kaiju did that kaiju just get lost? Yeah, yeah. Attacking Sydney, uh, attacking Alaska. Like, like these are going in different directions than w- where they. Yeah, you were. all you all went the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and so I liked the idea that they brought in for the first movie, which was that the kaiju served as a way of just kind of like tilling the land so that the precursors could come in and build their own society on that was kind of yeah. cool. And and I'm not against the idea that the precursors now are trying to speed up the process by going to Mount Fuji and triggering this whole event this this volcanic event that's going to wipe out life. But then to say that was the plan all along, that's the problem I had because it's like no, obviously yeah. that wasn't the plan all along. <laughs> <laughs> that's a real that's a really good point because it rewrites the first movie in a negative way um and it, it it creates this idea of like if you wanted to just be like yeah the new plan is getting this kaiju to mount fuji and it's going to like wipe out the world cool into that this but like making it like retroactively always the idea creates a moment like rewrites the the first movie in a way that just doesn't make any sense and now makes the first movie more nonsensical yeah it kind of reminds me of the Terminator movies a little bit where they kind of have that same problem. Like the original plot of the Terminator movies, the first two was we go back in time, we kill John Connor or Sarah Connor, stop him from leading humanity and overthrowing Skynet. And then the problem is, well, now how do we continue the story beyond that? Well, we we say they go back in time to do something else, or they go back in time to do this other thing. They go, they change this or do that. And this was the plan all along. It's like, no, no, the original plan was so simple. (laughs) You actually, you actually, uh, kind of bounced on something that, that I, I agree with when, when it comes to like the Terminator franchise, the Terminator franchise and the Pacific Rim franchise have a similar trajectory in which that every single entry in this franchise makes it all the more bleaker because mm-hmm. each time, each time we're like the Pacific Rim, we fought back the precursors. They're gone. We did it the next time. Oh, the precursors are back. Okay. We fought them back. We did it. Pacific and the black Australia is destroyed. Australia is right. lost. We lost Australia. Yeah. Australia was gone to the precursors. Like every entry has made the franchise a lot bleaker. And so like it creates this thing that like the Terminator franchise has fallen into, in which case that like you can never stop judgment day. Judgment day will always happen in some way, shape or form. It does not matter what we do. We just kind of keep pushing it back. And that creates an idea of like, well, maybe I don't want to live in this world because like it's it just doesn't get any better. It's just always right. this. And like Star Wars, 
Star Wars fell into that too, where it's just like the lives of Han, Luke and Leia were so bleak because they went from one war to another war immediately. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, I don't like yeah. it when they do, when franchises do that. No, no. Yeah. And, and, and it's, I guess it really depends on the goal of the franchise, but like you said, if the, if the point is we beat the bad guys, Oh no, here's the bad guys again. And they're just making things worse and we're never going to yeah. win. And, but at the same time, I do kind of think that there's the, if you, <laughs> there's a tipping point where I think it would be kind of interesting to be the underdogs in, in a Pacific Rim, you know, like maybe anim, another anime series or something in the future where the precursors have all but one and it's just a ragtag team of humans fighting back. And it's just like, you know, then it becomes like the original Star Wars, a small team of rebels fighting against a big unstoppable force. And so th th there's a tipping point, I think, where it would be interesting again. But yeah, it's finding that balance. But there one thing that... There that is, I think, but, yeah. Go, uh -huh, ahead. go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was gonna say it's like there, there is a, there is a tipping point where you like you can bring it back around to to making it more hopeful again. But if you just kind of keep a franchise going, like the Terminator franchise, for example, if you just kind of keep it going, it just becomes such a. I don't want to. I don't want to keep going back to a dour world. I don't want to keep watching a right. world where it's like, well, I know they can never win. Ultimately, they just can never win. Right. Yeah. Uh, something else that I that I find it interesting that's a parallel between this and the Terminator franchise and this again, we're not talking about the Terminator franchise, but just to kind of show some parallels here. One thing I do really like, and again, it goes back to one of my complaints about the Mount Fuji thing is when one one plan fails, the precursors try something different. And I like that, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Terminators, at least, you know, originally the Skynet was kind of doing that. You know, it's like, well, we sent back the T, we had the T-800s who looked human, but they weren't human enough, so they couldn't infiltrate. So now we have the T-900s, and that's what the Arnold ones were, or some, somewhere along the lines of that. And then, uh, then you had the T-1000s, which, you know, were the more advanced ones. And so it's like, you know, this one plan didn't work, so let's change it and i think that the the idea of like how we said if they stuck to the idea that well the first plan didn't work so now we're trying this more covert plan of of infiltrating and using these kaiju brains to create these hybrids between the the mechs and the kaiju and then you see in the black where it went so far as they were trying to create human kaiju hybrids that could pose as humans and actually infiltrate you know and and work as humans and it's like yeah i like that they're adapting every time they lose the bad guys are like well we'll do something different then and it keeps the story kind yeah. of interesting yeah i do like that too then another thing and, and kind of that bounces into another positive i have which is voltron kaiju is wonderful. oh yes that is such a cool that is such a cool idea it is a cool design i'm so into it i think on their own those three kaiju are boring but as soon as those little kaiju start piecing them together to create uh -huh. this giant like super kaiju i was like hell yeah that thing rules 
Yeah, I mean, like, eight-year-old me who had my Godzilla figures and stuff would have been just cheering at the idea of taking multiple monsters and piecing them together into one bigger monster. <laughs> yeah, and I like, I'm sure, like, I've never, I personally have not seen seen it happen to kaiju i've seen it happen to mechs plenty of time but i've never seen it happen to kaiju and the way they do it where you see like the pieces like like being split apart and then putting back together mm-hmm. and like they're screaming because they're in pain i was like that's cool that's cool yeah yeah it's it's the this movie is just so much fun if you're a kid who grew up loving robots and monsters there's enough cool things in it to make you enjoy it it's just like we said now being in our 30s and looking for a little bit more substance it's it's not there and and some of the things that they they didn't yeah didn't really add up the the things that i like the most about this are the things that kind of like take what happened in the first movie and actually make them matter like gottlieb says um, says to news like I still have nightmares from when we drifted with the kaiju and I was like you know that's mm-hmm. that's pretty that's a that's a good idea that's a good concept like Gottlieb is is haunted by the by the by the memories of the precursors that he that he connected with and mm-hmm. Newt is completely corrupted by that point I was like that's that's good stuff like uh, Gottlieb is is good in that scene Newt is good in this movie um, there's a bit where um there's the montage when they're repairing the kaiju that mm-hmm. when that has the the theme song play. I thought they, I think that's a cool scene with the that's well shot. It's kind of like zooming into different pieces and zooming all around the dome. I thought that was cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so there's so there's good things about this movie that but because there's no singular vision like Del Toro has in the first film, it doesn't quite come out to an interesting whole. Right exactly yeah yeah i think i think that's that's real and really this kind of is getting into uh our final thoughts uh on this movie so we can go ahead and move into our final thoughts and our godzuki scores uh (laughs) so for anybody who's i have have some more oh go ahead i have some more notes that i want to that i want to kind of go through if that's okay yeah yeah Um, totally that's fine the specifically like as far as like negatives go like the the um the fighting is a big deal for me in this movie because it feels so weightless yeah um and and i think i'm not talking about like go ahead no no yeah uh i was just gonna say i think that i think that comes down to steven s tonight not being as seasoned of a director at least on big budget things like this uh because like with del toro and like we were saying with gareth edwards earlier in the podcast they have this sense of scale and weight that they can do as directors. And so, you know, Del Toro brought that to the first Pacific Rim, just like Gareth Edwards brought that to 2014 Godzilla. And then you get to, you know, Stephen S. Tonight, I think he he just didn't have that skill set to make the the monsters and the and the Jaegers feel as as impactful as as like weighted and large 
Yeah, and I understand that like technology improves and like the Jaegers get could get faster and whatnot. It's like that's cool and whatnot, but like part of what I really like about the first one is how heavy the Jaegers felt, how slow <laughs> the, the kind of their their fighting was. And like I'm not saying I think the kaiju Jaegers should be because they're they don't have the the separation between their their brains and their bodies that right. the Jaegers do. So like they can be faster. So but specifically when you get to like obsidian fury versus gypsy avenger there's not there's no sense of scale in that scene there's really no there's no like weight to it it's just kind of two people Mm -hmm. it's no different than the two people were fist fighting um and that's kind of a bummer also in that scene why the hell were they there because mako sends them to that to that place but for no reason because no one ever really picks up that thread again why were they there (laughs) i you know i can't even remember i can't even remember that plot point in the movie why were they there (laughs) but anyway but going back to like another fight scene at the at the that that really bugged me by the end of the movie it's like wait why did they go to that place anyway but going back to like another scene in the movie which is the final action scene I think there's some interesting choreography happening and some interesting stuff happening with specifically the, the Jaeger with the three pilots, um, mm-hmm. like the Russian girl pilot. I think mm-hmm. that's, I think that's a cool design for a Jaeger, but when, but like, there's like, people are like sliding and they're, they're actively destroying buildings. And one of the things that was so refreshing about the first film is how it doesn't, it doesn't try to make collateral damage. Like you see mm-hmm. Gypsy Danger step over a bridge. Like, you know, you don't see him step through a bridge. Um, right. But you don't get that in this one. Instead, like Jake, like they're throwing buildings at people. They're slicing things. They're, they're punching through things like deliberately trying to make collateral damage. And I understand collateral damage is important to Kaiju films. I get it. I'm on the same page. Right. But the first film was very refreshing because it didn't, it didn't try it actually felt right. like they were trying to save the city not actively trying to destroy it right yeah it's 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 a difference between it being incidental and being like actively on purpose like you said you know yeah and yeah and 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 all the good godzilla films that the or the best ones have weight and stuff to the to the monsters in them and and like you said like we were talking about the cities and the, and the collateral damage are kind of incidental to what's going on and like you said like we were saying the the first pacific rim had that and a, and a big reason i think why the first pacific rim had that is del toro is a big kaiju tokusatsu fan he loves ultraman he loves godzilla he loves this stuff so when he he brought those sensibilities to it i don't know about steven s denight or any of the people who are writing or 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 producing this film and john boyega and all of them and it and you like we said it just felt very weightless and there was no substance to the to the cgi like there's a way of doing these big huge things where you can embrace the scale embrace the weight embrace the you know all of that and make it feel like it fits into the universe whereas this didn't do that yeah and you know you look at like gvk which obviously there's tons of collateral damage in that movie because it's two monsters fighting each other right but 
the first Pacific Rim, like the Jaegers weren't going out of their way to blow up a building. Right. They were trying to, like you said in the very beginning, it's like they, he like Gypsy Danger picks up the boat and tries to protect the boat and get it mm-hmm. out of the way of harm. Like that, that kind of like, uh, that was really refreshing to see. And it's unfortunate that that was, that sensibility was lost coming into the second film. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Um, you have any um, other notes? I, we haven't talked anything about the characters in this film. Yeah. Well, mainly because they're not as memorable as the ones from the first one, and especially stacker pentecost who was who was uh um idris elba's character john boyega love him to death he's no idris elba (laughs) no and i think he's i think he's the standout of this movie there's also Mm -hmm. um what's the little girl that he meets he calls her smallie but alana ariana yeah i I forget what her name actual name ablugana no (laughs) yeah i'm i'm very bad with names (laughs) I think her, I think she works in this movie and I quite liked her watching this the second time. Um, she's got the, she, she's got a really tragic backstory, which I think rules. I think her, her backstory of like the Kaiju sneaking up on her and then destroying her family is awesome. Good stuff. Mm. Um, great character work. And then she builds scrapper. I think scrapper is the MVP of this movie. Mm-hmm. I think that little, that little mech is so good. When he's when she when he rolls out of that plane and rolls down the buildings, I was like, hell yeah, scrapper to save the day. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, she was the standout yeah. to me uh, because she not only as a uh, carrying so much of the like the drama, like you said, of having that uh, backstory, but also carrying so much of the action because she's the one who's, you know, figuring things out and, and building scrapper and, you know, and she's diving straight into the battles and stuff like that. So she was definitely the standout for me. John Boyega was the second. I think he did a decent job. Uh, again, he's still no Idris Elba, but, but I think he did a decent job. Everyone else in this movie besides Charlie Day and, and Newt, um, which is Burn Gorman, I think is who who was uh, played that character. Uh, other than yeah, them, so. everyone else is so forgettable. And I think I think the important thing about Newton Gottlieb is because they're legacy characters. And if it this was a story about Jake and Mako, I think right. this movie works better in a, on an emotional core. But they kill Mako very early, and I think disrespectfully, honestly. Yeah. I think I think killing her off is not a bad idea in itself. The way they did it and made her who was such an essential and important part of the first movie to just not be anything really. But I mean, she she essentially got fridged like she was killed. She was a female character who was killed to be the driving force for the male character to give him the emotional like weight that he needed and it's like she deserved better than that (laughs) she really did i honestly i think that there should have been a world where this was her movie and if you wanted Mm -hmm. to include jake sure like she she should have been the main character pacific room too if del toro had done this i do believe that she would have been the Mm -hmm. the way they 
the way they just sideline her to kind of just give Jake some motivation because this is not a character we know connecting him to a character we know was the only was a shorthand to kind of do it but like I just I I I lament that we had to lose Mako and I think yeah. it's I think by far the worst sin the movie makes is losing Mako More and and she would have been like so good to be the mentor for the the young girl a character that i can't remember her name uh smally the one that we couldn't remember her actual name yeah um she would have been because they have like a similar backstory so of course mako would have been perfect to be like the mentor for her but nope <laughs> and then can you imagine what what again in this hypothetical world where jake and mako are the main characters of this movie and not mako and scott and not and not jake and scott eastwood but like can you imagine the when they drift in gypsy avenger and the two of them mm-hmm. are are drifting in, in that jaeger that would have been the fact that she went out in a helicopter and not a jaeger are you yeah. kidding me yeah it's it, yeah it's such a such a shame uh and and for such a good actress too to be underutilized yeah. in a franchise that she was such a big part of in the first movie and then to be just fridged for like i mean just, that just, is essentially what she was getting... just the fact that like stacker went out in a jaeger like stacker went uh-huh. out in a jaeger and the, you didn't give you didn't give mako the dignity of at least giving her a jaeger to, to fight in first right yeah it, i I don't agree with that. Yeah. Uh, 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 the uh-huh. good. Oh, I was going to say, uh, speaking of wasted characters, um, this billionaire science woman who uh, Newt was working for. <laughs> yeah. She gets a good moment with Scrapper, but she, outside of that, she's really nothing. That's, that's it. There, like she's a also. Yeah. There's also a line with like the, um, there's also a line with like the when they're just like they're talking to the cadets like we're a family now and I'm like really have you had more than one scene with these people because like I don't think right. you have yeah there's there's just no build up to that and and again like we said it, it would have been so much better for Mako to be there because it's like she has the the experience with you know working with other pilots and training them and everything and be like and and like we said her backstory being the same as as a smallie of losing your family and having to find a new family, she would have been perfect to be like, Hey, we are a family because this is her only family. There is no other family for her. <laughs> yeah. And like the, 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 and going back to like the other cadets were, were all of a sudden they're all best buddy, but as best buddies by the end of the movie. And I'm supposed to give a when one of them dies. The only thing I remember about that kid is that he is almost a, a boob doctor, I guess. Right. Like, yeah. And he, and he dies and i'm like oh okay yeah like i i the 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 falling when they're falling down onto the onto the kaiju that's cool that's yeah. a cool scene i like that i, I wanted I to end like, with the positive <laughs> yes yes so finish off our positivity sandwich slash salad uh with a positive the 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 idea of using the Jaeger as a projectile to just smash right into the Kaiju was an absolutely epic thing. And I, I was like, I've never seen other 
uh, giant monster related media do something like that. This was the first time I've seen them do something like that. And so I really like that. That was a standout. I, I, I like that plan and that whole scene was yeah. really good. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest. I cheered when Scrapper flies out of the, out of the, out of the airplane and picks up the, the jet booster and uh-huh. waddles over to the gypsy adventure. I was like, yeah, you go Scrapper. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, like and like we've been saying, there's a lot of good things in this, but the 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 good things are the things that where they built upon already established stuff from the first movie, and the stuff that fails is all the stuff they tried to do either better and failed or differently and failed. Yeah, my my final thoughts um, are basically just that like. The biggest problem that this movie has, except the exception of Mako More, um, is there's no singular vision. Mm-hmm. This is not the vision of an auteur director like the first one was. This is someone who came in to do a job and he can feel it. And that's, it's unfortunate yeah. that this was the follow up we got. And that's really the that's really why this movie doesn't connect with me, because Stephen S. DeKnight does not have at least I do not feel the passion for the subject matter that he is trying to portray to me. I don't feel it. Right. And so I don't connect with it in the same way. Yeah. 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 That's, that's where I end up. So that's, that's our final thoughts. Um, uh, my only other final thought is I still like the universe that they built here. Like the whole concept behind Pacific Rim is really good. And I hope that with Pacific Rim, the black ending that we're not finished with this universe. I hope that we come back to this universe in some form or in some way. Me too. I will return to this universe, whatever you want to give me. You want to give me a comic, a show, a movie, I will come back. It does not matter. I'm into it. Yeah. Yeah. There's enough, there's enough here, even with the disappointing sequel, there's enough in the universe that just I'm, I'm willing to give anything, anything that's in this universe, I will give it a shot because there's enough interesting stuff there. Yeah. There's even, there's even enough interesting stuff in this movie. Uh, like I said, like the, the Kaiju Jaegers are awesome. There's such a cool idea. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like John Boyega. Like there's, there's enough in this movie. I don't want to repeat what I've said earlier, but just to like reiterate, just there's enough in this movie that I found it enjoyable the second time. It just, again, it just doesn't connect with me in the same way that the first one does. Also, I forgot right. one note. There's a love story in this movie for se- for like a half a second, I guess. Between sure. Newt and the kaiju brain? <laughs> no, because... <laughs> no, no, between between the one specialist, the ranger girl. And just like, oh, right. okay. Yeah. I You're a character. That was like so forced in there. And we've and like people talk about forced like love stories in movies. This was the most forced one I have ever seen because this felt like that was no there was no reason. There was absolutely nothing in this that that required that at all. And yet it was there. It was just kind of they were like, oops, we forgot about this character real quick. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh just yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry i keep looking at my notes again this is my last thing i promise okay um, the 
the opening of this movie recaps Pacific Rim. And that's a mistake because you set up the movie for failure because you're looking at, look at all this passionate filmmaking from Del Toro. And then all of a sudden, look right. at all this bland filmmaking from Steven S. Tonight. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Don't remind me of a better movie at the beginning of, of a movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, uh, I should, I should be done. I wrote a whole page of notes. I, Again, I want to read it my no, I, so we can get out of here. It just does. It just didn't connect. It just does not connect with me on the same level as the first film. Okay. Yeah. No. Totally. I understand. I understand. Uh, I I don't have as many notes because I feel like I got a lot of what I want to say about this movie out of my system when I guessed it on me and me and Michael guessed it on Finding Monster Right, and uh, we we guessed it on their podcast. I'm gonna show uh, you my notes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. I wrote in the margins. <laughs> that's more than even when I am excited for the movie that I'm talking about. That's more notes than what I usually write. <laughs> I was oh, I mean, I was excited to be like I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about Pacific Rim Uprising for the first time in 4 years. <laughs> Well, if anybody wants to hear me go into maybe some more detail, or if you want to hear just a funny podcast with me and Michael and a couple of other great people who do some great podcasting, go listen to the Finding Monster Right episode where they cover Pacific Rim and specifically the precursors and their plan. Like, what was their plan all along? And does it make sense? And is it logical? And they brought uh, the, the two hosts of that podcast brought me and Michael on to kind of be the kaiju experts but you know i mean we're we end up just being being silly and goofing off more than anything (laughs) (laughs) but it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun uh and so Uh, we're just going to close out this discussion uh for this movie with our godzuki score so we gave our final thoughts let's just give our godzuki scores that is uh for anybody who's new to the podcast who's not used to used to us we like to rate our movies out of five godzukis instead of five stars because we like to embrace the silly side of giant monster media. Uh, and we do that by using Godzilla's bumbling nephew from the Hanna-Barbera cartoon as our yardstick for rating these movies. So Brandon, and you got to sing it. How many Godzookies do you give Pacific Rim uprising? I, I, I don't like fun, Travis. I don't like fun. Um, <laughs> I should have worn my Godzuki shirt. I have a, I have a Godzuki shirt. Oh, nice. Because um, it's like no whimsy. Uh, Zara, no whimsy is allowed. <laughs> I, I like so Zara uh, really likes Godzuki. So she bought us matching Godzuki shirts. She was very. Oh, excited. nice. Um, oh, that's awesome. OK. Um, it's out of five, right? Yes. Out of five. OK. Uh, I would give this three and a half out of five. Godzuki's. it's the best you're gonna get out of me that's fine that's fine that works yeah i'm gonna give it three and a half godzookies uh as well because it's it's better than average because it's fun there's enough you know fun stuff to make it better than average but it still doesn't reach those heights like we said yeah so yeah 
Uh, and so that's going to close out our discussion of Pacific Rim. And hopefully they will do more Pacific Rim stuff because we won't have a reason to have you on the podcast unless they do. Uh, <laughs> well, if we can find something else, right? <laughs> well, when we eventually cover Gurren Lagann, you'll be on for that one, too. You're damn straight. I'm going to be on. You will not let me miss that. I was planning on covering that this month. A little peek behind the curtain. I was planning on covering that this month, but we we covered the Ultraman season two anime, the uh, Pacific Rim, the Black Ultra, uh, the Pacific Rim, the Black season two. And so to add another anime that we had to watch like all in one week to be able to cover on the podcast would have been a little too much to ask of my brain. <laughs> Three I, shows I back that, yeah. to back. <laughs> And it, so. there's 26 episodes there, so like I, I'm, I'm, I get you. Yeah. So, but we will cover it on the podcast. I do look forward to talking about it at some point, uh, and asking how the Me heck too. can they adapt this into live action? Because I don't see how in the world they could ever do that. Uh. <laughs> they, they, they can't. But they can't. But a Pacific Rim three with the right director would get would be the closest I could see. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but yeah, so let's move into the next segment and the final segment of the podcast, which is the mailbag. And we have a theme song that goes like this. What's in the mail today? And if you would like to send us something to read out on the podcast in our mailbag segment, you can do that. Send it to us, kaijuweekly at gmail.com or at kaijuweekly on Twitter. Like uh, the three that we have this week, we're going to read out are all Twitter based. And they're just some interactions that we had with some friends and uh, listeners on Twitter. And I wanted to read them out. So Damon Noise. Uh, tweeted at us saying the animated show about the projects was called the PJs main character was voiced by Eddie Murphy and it aired on Fox. So this is a reference to not last episode, but the episode before that we were trying to name this show and remember what, what uh, network it came on because we had, we played a game where we were uh, it was all uh, TV shows, animated TV shows that were based on, live action franchises and so we had a game like that and then oh. the pjs came up and we were trying to remember what it was called so damon noise keeping us honest and uh giving us the the um actually uh <laughs> that we needed that's a fun that's a fun topic because there's so many uh, like especially in the 80s and 90s like um mortal mm-hmm. Kombat and rambo and robocop like that's a lot of fun if you want to hear some just Michael losing it at uh, just laughing his head off at uh, the premise of a show. Go listen to the game that we played. It was the Star Crash episode that we did. No, no, it was the Ultraman. Sorry, Ultraman uh, season two episode. The first like 40 minutes of that was the game. And uh, yeah, they did a Free Willy animated TV show where the kid finds out he can talk to animals and they fight a cyborg who wants to pollute the oceans. I remember that show. I also remember the Karate Kid animated show, uh-huh. uh, which had Mr. Miyagi and Daniel LaRusso going around Asia fighting monsters. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, there's and so many. They had no restraint. They had they no didn't. restraint back then. 
nope they didn't uh it was just some of the weirdest stuff i i and and i was i for the game i had to come up with fake ones so that you know michael could choose okay is this real or is it fake is it one that i made up but trying to come up with fake ones that is really difficult because they did so many that it's like what hasn't been done (laughs) that's really funny uh, the next tweet that we're going to give a shout out to was from Chris Deggle. Uh, he sent us uh, a quote that I did uh, from that same episode where I said, the Ultraman, especially from the Showa era, all look so much alike that that's why I like Common Rider more because they look more distinct. And then sent me a picture of the Showa era Common Rider one and two that that look exactly the same except the gloves were different colors <laughs> i mean uh, hey things 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 were on a budget back then yeah they were and and you're right chris you're right chris uh ignoring common writer one and two all the other common writers were more distinct <laughs> just those first two looked just alike <laughs> So just uh, those first two just those first two uh i just i thought it was hilarious i laughed so hard when he sent that because i was like yeah you got me there <laughs> 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 and the last tweet that i want to give a shout out to this week in the mailbag segment is from record all monsters a podcast that me and michael guested on not too long ago uh our friend uh robert from there sent us uh, he he is a genius. I just got to pre- uh, like preface this by saying Robert is a genius when it comes to games and naming things because he comes up with games on his podcast all the time. And for someone who has to come up with games every once in a while, for him to come up with unique game every week on his podcast and, and have a unique idea for it and, and everything – it's just mind blowing. Like, I, I don't know. Cause that's yeah. why we, I keep going back to the same games, like, you know, guess the bad review because I don't know how, what other games to come up with. And Robert just has some amazing ideas. So Robert, you got to send me some of your game ideas so we can have more things to do on this <laughs> podcast. When the news is, <laughs> is light. <laughs> some people just but, have a gift. Yes, yes. And uh and I had a lot of fun recording with him and being on his podcast. Uh it was a lot of fun. Um but he was uh he sent in uh y'all should have called the game because I had trouble naming that game that we played uh on the Ultraman episode. Uh he said you should have named it Movie, the animated series, the game. And like <laughs> that's pretty good that's this is why you get paid the big bucks sir <laughs> he does it he does a podcast we any of us get paid big bucks no well yeah of course i mean i'm living in my three-story mansion here uh <laughs> oh yeah yeah totally it's a it's yeah podcasting is just going great you guys it's um, a lucrative business support us on patreon if you can no we don't even have a patreon anymore (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so that's going to close out the mailbag segment yeah uh and just to reiterate if anybody would like to send us our mailbag is getting a little light 
So if anybody wants to help us fill in some time and give us something to read out on the podcast, make sure to do that. Kaijuweekly at gmail.com or at Kaijuweekly on Twitter. And uh, before we do our plugs and stuff, I just have to read the trivia question for next week and to hint to the movie that we are covering next week. So we're still in Mech Month or Mecha May is what I like to call it. Uh, and this is going to be our final episode for Mecha May next week. So the question is, percentage wise, which film has the most Godzilla screen time of all of them? of all the Godzilla films. So which film has the most Godzilla screen time percentage wise? Now I do have to preface this. Nobody come at me on Twitter. This fact was recorded before GVK and King of the Monsters. So this might need some revision. It might be outdated, but as of the time that I, that, that this fact was recorded, this movie had the highest percentage of screen time for Godzilla at 20%. So you can't say King of the Monsters or GVK. Yeah, I mean you could. I just don't know. I don't know. It, they may have they may have surpassed this. I don't know. Uh and I'm not going to sit and count the minutes and try to do math. Math was my worst subject. So I'll tell you what. <laughs> I'll tell you I'll tell you what. If whatever this movie is because i don't know the movie but i i do know i do i do know the answer um well i don't that's a weird way to say that whatever because i'll show your notes um if gvk is not has not surpassed this i'll be very surprised i know it seems like gvk has more than 20 percent godzilla but then i don't know they spent a lot of time with kong and not as much time with godzilla in that film I will I will just be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so now we're in the plugs segment. So do you want to give some plugs or shout outs here? Let everybody know where they can find you and yeah. what you're doing. First off, thank you so much for having me on. I really I really love coming on. It's been too long. Yeah. Yeah, we love having you on. Um, so thank you have... for coming on. Thank you. I hopefully we can have more um consistent collaboration in the future because i'd love to have you guys back on uh Pickner podcast yeah um okay so let's plug this first so i am the editor for kaiju ramen media.com um i helped out these gentlemen with their website where um i edit a post you, you guys write something um i put it up so if anyone wants to write for that website you got like you want to write news you want to write features you want to write lists i don't give a shit i want to write reviews whatever come at me you'll find all my social media are are here otherwise it's bt mcclure on instagram and twitter let me know i'd love to hear from you guys and we'll see what we can do i'll i i I would love to hear what you guys got so please please do that um i'll probably be posting a couple of um i've been a little bit behind i'll probably post some outdated stuff uh, out uh this week that are probably that just to kind of get some stuff up there um I've, there's been I'm a lot of star guy. trek media so it, it's fair it's fair you've been you've been kind of swamped with star there trek is, stuff lately <laughs> there is so much star trek stuff happening right now <laughs> um 
So, yeah. So, again, um, I'm really grateful that you guys let me edit your website for you. Um, just kind of lets me help, kind of lets me do that. I also write for other websites such as Screen Rant, um, where I put up a bunch of lists uh, for them, and AtomicGeekdom.com. A um, couple of relevant things on Kaiju Ramen. Um, I did a review for Pacific Rim, the uh, Pacific Rim Blackout, um, which uh, is the story set just before Pacific Rim the Black. I really like that comic. Um, read my review. Check out that book. Really appreciate it if you did. Um, and then over on Atomic Geekdom, I write a series called Revisiting the Infinity Saga, uh, 50 Defining Moments of the MCU where I'm going through 50 moments that I feel like defined the Marvel cinematic universe. Um, every week is a new moment. Um, I just did a four page essay on the defenders. Um, <laughs> and this, uh, by the time this comes out, I will have, I will have just published a piece on, um, Thor from Avengers Endgame. So, Oh, stay nice. tuned for that. Um, and then, of course, guys, my, I have a podcast. Uh, the, the reason why I'm here is because I have a podcast. Um, <laughs> it's called The Fake Nerd Podcast. Um, you can check it out every Sunday. We go live every Sunday night um, where we talk about news and we talk about comic books and we have a, we talk about uh, movies. And uh, we just put up an episode for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, actually, no. By the time this comes out, we have just put up an episode uh, of The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is Nick Cage's new film. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming up is Top Gun. Ooh, Top Gun Maverick. Gun. I'm excited for that. Yeah, yeah. My, um, my, well, I know this is, it's going to sound weird, but my mom is extremely excited for that because she loves the first Top Gun. So she's been Top Gun was to Maverick. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> And the Fickner family, the, the Fickner podcast family podcast is a bunch, a bunch of shows you can find on YouTube. Um, again, you know, check out all, all that. We have a website, FicknerPodcast.com. You can check out all the shows like Fickner, Fickner's Watch, where we just finished Moon Knight. We're going to start doing Obi-Wan Kenobi. Star Trek Strange New Worlds has started on that. And Star Trek Picard has just ended. So you can check out those. Um, Basement Arcade, Basement Arcade Pause Menu, Animation Station, Fickner Book Club, all of which you can find on YouTube or our website, FicknerPodcast.com. And that's pretty much all I should say. Okay. Yeah. And you are a contributor to Kaiju Ramen Magazine, too. You've had a few articles that have uh, shown up in the magazine. Uh, so uh, people can find and read some of your stuff there, too. Uh, and you've got to get me on one of the podcasts to talk about Star Trek, because I don't talk about it enough on here, but I am a huge Trekkie. I actually love Star Trek more than I love Star Wars. So yeah <laughs> well uh if you want um we'll try and get you on the maybe not the next one but whatever fakeners watch because we're doing stranger world right now if you're watching strange new worlds you can do a fakeners mm-hmm. watch episode with us yeah yeah i've been watching it and i'm actually enjoying it so <laughs> it's so good it is it really is oh man yeah i want to hear i haven't listened to to you guys uh covering the first episode yet so i need to go back and listen to because i want to know your thoughts on lao or lao nunyan singh because when i heard that name i was like "Ooh, boy (laughs) yeah i'm so curious to see where that goes um nurse chapel was my standout of the last episode oh yeah yeah she's good too 
Um, but yeah, so to finish off this episode, I'm going to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, me or Michael, you can just do that at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter. Uh, all the links to our social media, as well as to the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email, kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We also want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen Magazine so far. We're still working on Volume 1. It has gone to print. We're just waiting for them to ship to us so that we can ship them out to everybody. Uh, so we are running a little bit behind on our goal, what our goal was for getting them out to everybody. But we're going to get the rewards for everybody who supported that on Kickstarter. We're going to get get them out to everybody as soon as we can. We're just a little bit behind because we had some issues uh, with the printing and stuff. But we'll get there. We'll get there, I promise. And if you want to find out more about the magazine or the other podcasts that we have, the the, the uh, Power Trip podcast, Henshin Men podcast, uh, they're part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network. You can check out the website that Brandon uh, helps edit and and post stuff to kaijuramenmedia.com and if you enjoyed this podcast be sure to leave us a five-star rating and if you do that that'll help get this podcast out to other people and kaiju fans and pacific rim fans and all of that good stuff uh it'll help us find the fans of the stuff that we like and maybe they'll enjoy this podcast too and if you leave us a review we will read it out on the podcast and so to close out this episode, I'm going to say help control the Jaeger, no, not Jaeger population, but I guess the Jaeger population, have your kaiju brains <laughs> spayed or neutered. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. Best part of the whole movie. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media LLC.